This is episode 48 of the Lingolstown Life podcast. Now through Easter, we are working our way through a sermon series called Weird, in which we're unpacking the beliefs and practices that make Christians a little different. In his sermon, Pastor George Reynolds preaches about the parables Jesus shared and how stories can cause us to learn deeper truths and to help us communicate with the people in our community. This message was first preached on March 7th, 2021 at the Lingolstown Life Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Lingolstown Life podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. Once upon a time, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was a dark and stormy night. Great stories have great opening lines. Maybe you've even heard of this one, in the beginning. You see, God is a storyteller. And best of all, the story that God is telling includes your story. Well, good morning. My name is George Reynolds. I'm the lead pastor here at Lingolstown Life, where it is our mission to love God and to love others. You know, Jesus was a storyteller. His stories, what we often refer to as parables in the Bible, they take everyday experiences and they use, he used them to share deep spiritual truths. And what's weird, in a way, is that Jesus never wrote a book. He left the writing to the people who lived with him and who heard those stories on a firsthand basis. The other weird thing about Jesus' stories is that he often left the meaning of the story somewhat open-ended. And that's made some people crazy just trying to figure out, well, what was Jesus' point? What was Jesus trying to teach? But what I think is the miracle of Jesus' stories is that he left us stories that we could relate to 2,000 years later. Stories that still speak to us, even though we are so far removed from the first century. Well, today in our Lenten series entitled Weird, we're going to talk about the power of story. We're going to learn how this craft of storytelling is something that all of us can use in our daily lives. And we're going to learn how listening to people's stories can help them connect with the story that God has invited all of us to be a part of. Now, storytelling may seem like a weird way to communicate, but really it's something that you and I do every day. And it's the most powerful way that you can introduce people to God's story. So whether you are wondering about this man named Jesus or the weird people who like to gather and listen to his stories, I hope that you'll enjoy these next 45 minutes as we spend time together. And I hope, most of all, that you learn something about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, as we've gathered together today, we look forward to to hearing your story and how we can be a part of it. We look forward to being a part of this story of great love, 
the story of how you continually reach out to each and every person in this world. I pray that today as we hear the story one more time, that it can impact us in ways that will help us to learn to listen to others and help us to be able to tell our story as well. And so we offer this time back to you as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With that, we're going to get right into uh, to today's message. And uh, throughout the message this morning, I'm going to ask you to, uh, to just some, do some interacting with us. So if you're, uh, if you're watching at home, online, uh, you can leave comments as we, uh, as we go through the message today. If you're in the room, I know a lot of you like to watch the service online as well, and you can just drop comments in there as well. But uh, we're talking about stories today, and, and I love stories. Um, whether it starts with something as, uh, as, as normal as Once Upon a Time or something like Marley Was Dead. Anybody know where that story came from? One person in the room knows where the line, Marley Was Dead. Okay, there's two hands, three hands. Okay, yeah, Marley Was Dead. That's the opening line of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Probably didn't know that because you've probably only watched the movie and not read the book. But anyway, uh, I, I love stories. I, I love to watch stories on the big screen at home because um, we don't watch them on the big screen in movie theaters too much anymore. But, uh, but I, I love a, a picture that's got, got these breathtaking visuals and music and a compelling plot that, that just sort of pulls me into the story. And that's the thing about story. Story arouses our emotion. It connects and gives us energy. And most of all, the stories that we remember link us to a character that begins to intertwine with our lives. And, and so you may have guessed that's why this uh, movie poster is up here, because this is, this is my story. Okay, it's a wonderful life. George Bailey, uh, this is his story, played by Jimmy Stewart. Uh, George Bailey is struggling. He has all these ideas about what he wants his life to be about, and yet he doesn't think that he's achieved anything. And he's struggling to see how his life has any meaning, how it has any impact. And then one day, George gets his wish. He gets to see what it would be like if he had never been born. Well, if he had never been born, then his brother Harry would have not been rescued from an icy pond, and that meant that later in life, Harry would not have been there to save the lives of all those men on the troop carrier. Mr. Gower, well, Mr. Gower would have un unintentionally poisoned a family. Mr. Martini would have never been able to open a restaurant. Bedford Falls would have turned into a potter's field. And Mary, George's wife in the story, well, she would have become an old maid who simply worked at the library. There would have been no Janie or Peter or Tommy or Zuzu. And all this happens with the help of, of angel second-class Clarence Oddbody. I love Clarence, don't you? Clarence says this to George as George is trying to grasp this mind-bending story. And he says to George, 
strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? And that's, that's got to be my favorite line from the whole movie because, because there have been so many times in my own life where I have questioned, do I really make an impact on people? Do I, do I really have a purpose in life? And, and, and what the movie reminds me about, and, and I just confess, I don't just watch a movie at Christmas time. I usually watch it a couple times during the year just because there are times when I'm struggling, <laughs> when I'm like, what's the purpose of it all? And it's just that story that connects with me over and over and over again. My guess is that you have a story that you connect with as well, a story that, that gets you emotionally involved, that intertwines your life with that of a main character. Uh, drop us a comment right now. Tell us what your favorite story is. Uh, the reality is we all have a favorite story, whether it's, whether it's something that we've read, whether it's something that we've watched on the big screen, um, but it's a story that you know. It might even be, if you're like me, I can quote lines and lines and lines while I'm watching It's a Wonderful Life. But it's a connection. And, and you've probably had a story that you've shared multiple times. It's amazing the way that stories get passed on from generation to generation. Do you all know what yesterday was? Yesterday, yesterday was Alamo Day. So, see, none of you really know much about the Alamo. You don't know that yesterday was Alamo Day. Why is Alamo Day important to me? Because my cousin, four times removed, generations and generations ago, actually fought and died at the Alamo. John Purdy Reynolds uh, was one of four people from Mifflin County who actually traveled and fought at the Alamo. That's my story. I keep passing it down to my kids, and I'll tell my grandkids about that story. Because, you see, stories, stories have been a part of everybody's life ever since the first person sat down around a campfire and started telling stories. I, I love this, this paragraph from, uh, from Nancy Duarte in a book she wrote called Resonate. It's all about how you tell stories. And look at what she says. She says, people love stories. People love stories because life is full of adventure and we're hardwired to learn lessons from observing change in others. Life is messy, she says, so we empathize with characters who have real-life challenges similar to the ones we face. When we listen to a story, the chemicals in our body change and our mind becomes transfixed. We're riveted when a character encounters a situation that involves risks and elated when he or she averts danger and is rewarded. Stories. We all have them. We all love to hear them. And we all love to be able to participate in them. Now, Jesus was a storyteller. 
Jesus knew the power of stories. Jesus knew that stories create emotional connectedness. Jesus knew that stories link one person's heart to another. And Jesus knew that stories arouse emotions and energy in the people who are listening. And, and Jesus knew that stories, stories have a way of conveying values and beliefs and norms that become intertwined with the listener and the storyteller. Now, what's weird to me is that while Jesus told all these stories, Jesus never wrote a book. Jesus never made a movie. But Jesus was a storyteller par excellence who used stories to, to evade the defensiveness of people, to, to quicken their curiosity, and most importantly, to inspire their imaginations. Jesus told stories about soils and seeds and sowers and stories about lost things like sheep and coins and kids, stories about weddings and workers, stories about Samaritans and tax collectors. What's your favorite Jesus story? Why don't you leave us a little comment right now. Tell us about your favorite Jesus story. Now, the, the thing I really love about Jesus' storytelling is, is that he was able to, to craft stories that connected with people where they were in their common, everyday experiences. Jesus used just ordinary things, everyday experiences, to, to communicate deeper truths. Now, part of that was the fact that Jesus grew up in a storytelling culture. Um, you can actually go back to Deuteronomy, the, the, this passage of Scripture where, where Moses is instructing the people to continue constantly telling and retelling the story of their faith journey to their next generation. This is what it says in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now, what I love about that passage is that it reminds us that storytelling happens in everyday life. And it comes naturally. It doesn't, it has, it's not something that you, that you that's, that's hard to do. It's something that's just natural. You, you can look around you and find a, a, an image of something in the world, and you can begin to tell a story. You can do it when you're sitting at home or when you're walking along the road, when you're lying down at night or when you get up in the morning. Uh, the wonderful thing about the stories that Jesus told is that they're still instructive for us today. Not just to learn deeper truths, but what they instruct us in is how we communicate pe with people we meet every day. How we communicate with people every day. This is something that I really want you to hear today. Okay? Stories are a part of all of our lives, and it's the, it's the clue to how we can begin to really learn and listen to each other's stories. <clears throat> now think about this for a moment. 
Uh, we still instruct our children by telling stories, don't we? I mean, we're, we're still literally practicing what Moses talked about to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. I mean, if your mom or dad, an aunt or an uncle, grandparent, you know that some of the favorite things that you get to do with kids are read stories. So leave us a comment. Tell us about your favorite kid's story. Okay, what's your favorite kid's story to read or to tell? Now, as I said, Jesus, Jesus taught in stories, stories that we call parables. And in Matthew chapter 13, uh, Matthew ties together a whole series of Jesus' parables. And, and then he gets to this line in Matthew chapter 13 in verses 34 and 35. And, and this is what Matthew says about Jesus and teaching in parables. It says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Parables. Parables, these stories that you and I tell each other every day, they hold so much power that we need to learn how to use stories, just the same way Jesus did. So let me tell you about three things you need to know about stories, okay? Three simple things, and we're going to give you some application to this in just a moment. But the first thing is that, that stories have layers, okay? Like an onion or an ogre. Uh, okay, at least one person got that, okay? Any Shrek fans out there? Okay, yeah, all right. Ogres are like onions. But stories have layers. And a good story will have layers that are simply waiting to be peeled back. Now, that's one of the remarkable things about Jesus' parables, is that most of them never come with an explanation. Okay? Jesus never really took the time to, to explain all of the parables because he just wanted to tell a story and then leave the story hanging there for his listeners to do the hard work of peeling back the layers to expose the lessons and the truths that were contained in the story. Now, now, we know that Jesus gave explanations because we know that the, the disciples often walked up to Jesus after he was done telling one of these parables and, and they'd say, well, explain this to us. And usually the scripture told us that uh, Jesus did that in private. And, and so interestingly, most of those explanations, well, they never got written down in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account of Jesus' storytelling. No, they, I, think, I think the disciples sort of realized that there's a great value in the hearer needing to pull back the layers for themselves. And think about this for a moment. We've all read the story of the prodigal son at some point. But if you're a parent and you're reading the story of the prodigal son, you read it from the perspective of the parent. 
But if you might happen to be that son or daughter who's reading the story, it takes on a whole different perspective. Now, that's the first part. Stories have layers, but stories also, the second thing is that they are timeless. Stories are timeless. Uh, I think it's fascinating that, that 2,000 years ago, Jesus was telling these stories, and 2,000 years later, we are reading them again and again and again, and they're still having the same kind of impact on us today that they had 2,000 years ago. And even though we don't live in a primarily agrarian society anymore, parables about seeds and sowers still connect with us. And they still have an impact on us because they are timeless stories. They're sort of like the stories of Charles Dickens, like Oliver Twist and A Christmas Carol and A Tale of Two Cities. We continue to read those stories today, at least I still read them, because they have timeless truths in them. And what we can learn is that any good story is going to have impact for generations. We may update the settings from time to time. We may change the names of the characters. But, you know, the stories are still the same. And that's, that's the timeless nature of stories. And that's the timeless nature of God's story. One final thing about stories, and that is that stories leave us wanting more. You know, you get to the end of the story, and you're like, no, 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 but there's got to be more. Well, right after the passage we read there in Matthew 13, the, the disciples come to Jesus, and this is one of those times that they say to Jesus, explain what this parable means. Now, I don't think they asked that question of Jesus because they were clueless. I, I think they simply wanted to know more. They, they got to the end of the parable, and they're like, but there, there's more. <laughs> there, there's more to this. And, and a good story, the, the kind that connect with us, leave us with questions. Questions about the story. But, but more importantly, I think, I think a good story leaves us with questions about ourselves, questions about our response. I mean, a good story always leaves us wanting more. A few weeks ago, Rita and I were, were watching a movie together entitled A Hidden Life. Uh, it's a true story of an Austrian farmer set in the early days of World War II. And the main character, a, a far, this farmer, his name is Franz, and he is called up to fight in, in Hitler's army. But when he is called to the army, he refuses to swear the oath of allegiance to Hitler and to the Third Reich. It, it's a true story, and it's a beautiful story. Uh, but the story just sort of plays out all of the implications of the decision that reverberate for this young man. Now, when the movie was over, and it's, it's a long movie, it, it moves very slowly, but it's very thought-provoking, and when it, was, when it was all done, it left me with one question. Could I do what Franz did? 
Could I do what, what he did? Could, could I withstand all the pressure from, from my community bearing down upon me? Could, could I literally put my life on the line for what I firmly believe even at the cost of my own life? See, that's what a good story does. A good story leaves you wanting more. It leaves you struggling to, to not only know more about the background of this story, which, by the way, this is a true story, but it also leaves us with those questions about how we respond. And that's why the disciples went to Jesus and said, tell us more. See, they wanted to know more. They wanted to know how that story would impact their everyday life. Honestly, I'm really thankful that the disciples, when they wrote the, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, didn't give us all the explanations. I know we'd like to know how everything was supposed to turn out, but I prefer the fact that Jesus' stories really always want us leaving or wanting more. So you might be asking, well, what does all this have to do with you? Well, first of all, I want you to know that your story is important. Your story is important. So is the story of every single person that you are going to meet today. Everybody has a story. Some days those stories are rather mundane, while other days the stories are just filled with tears. Some days the stories are overwhelmingly heavy, while other days they leave us with more questions than answers. And some days, some days the stories are filled with laughter and joy, but every day we have a unique story. And so does everyone that you meet. And suddenly, as we begin to take all of our stories, we begin to, to intertwine all those stories together, and we begin to realize that we are connected to each other's stories. And as we realize that connection, we begin to build that emotional connectedness with one another. And, and while we oftentimes feel when we read a story or watch it on the movie that we're part of the story, the reality is when someone begins to tell you their story, it's an invitation for you to participate in the story. They want you to connect with them emotionally. They want someone to link up with their heart. And when somebody begins to share their story with you, what they're giving you is an invitation to enter in, to help them unpack the layers, to find the timeless truths, to ask the deeper questions. And that's the weird thing about you and I as disciples of Jesus. Every day, we get invited into people's stories. We get to listen to those stories. We get to walk with people as they unpack those layers. We get to remind them that they are not alone, that while their story is unique, it's been told before. And those people who have gone before us, well, they've left us handholds so that we can continue climbing and Best of all, 
best of all, when someone invites us into their stories, we get the opportunity to lean in. We get the opportunity to help them ask the hard questions, to process what's deep down inside. Now, here's the other thing. As we listen to people's stories, people will begin to invite us to tell our stories to tell our stories about our lives, our personal stories, our faith stories. Now, we don't always need to provide stories that have all the answers, because as we've learned, it's not necessary to always end a story with all the answers. But you see, sometimes when we get to tell our stories, it helps people to be able to ask more questions, to look for deeper answers, and maybe even the opportunity to figure out how God's story connects with their own story. Let me go back to this line from Nancy Duarte one more time. She writes this. She says, people love stories because life is full of adventure, and we're hardwired to learn lessons from observing change in others. I want to encourage you, as you go through this week, to think about the fact that everyone you meet has a story. And if you will listen carefully, you will find the opportunity to be invited into that story, to make a connection with people that, that then helps not only them to learn, but helps you to learn. And that, folks, is why Jesus' stories were so important. Because stories, well, they connect us. Stories teach us. And ultimately, I believe every story is a spiritual story. It's a story of faith questioned, faith challenged, faith found. So what's your story? What's your story? Let me give you two things to help process all of this today. First one is, I want to encourage you to listen for people's stories. As you leave and go about everyday life today, I want you to listen for people's stories. Don't worry about telling yours. Don't do any of that stuff. Just listen for people's stories. And as you listen to them, ask that very simple phrase, tell me more. Because as people begin to tell their stories, they're going to begin to unpack the layers, and, and together you can process all of that. And you may, just by listening to somebody's story this week, help them to work through some of the questions that they need to work through. Second thing I want to encourage you to do is go back and read Matthew chapter 13. Read, read those parables and, and begin to think about how you can unpack the layers, how you can find the timeless truths in each of those parables, and then begin to ask the deeper questions. Everybody has a story. 
We just have to be willing to listen and to learn from each other's stories. Join me in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for welcoming us into your story. And most of all, we thank you for inviting us to be a part of everyone's story around us. Because in a way, Lord, all of our stories are being written together in a great, powerful way. Some of those stories are stories that are, are so deep and moving. Some of those stories are just beginning to be told. Some of those stories are, are just beginning to be understood in deeper ways. But Lord, everyone's story is powerful. And everyone's story can make a difference. So help us to learn from your gift of storytelling, Lord, how we can use our stories and the stories of others to introduce them to the greatest story that's ever been told. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. joining us on the Lingolstown Life podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope that you'll leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more at www.lingolstownlife.org. God bless you and may you go forth to love God and love others.